This is the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and Beyond, with your host, Greg Brenda. Hi, everybody. Greg Brenda back again for another edition of the Dean's Dissertation. How you all doing today as we uh, approach the Super Bowl, another Super Bowl, Super Bowl LII, or 52 for those of you who um, are not versed in Roman numerals. Uh, one more time for the Browns to not be in the Super Bowl, but this time we're going to add something uh, unique and different to our podcast, another team that shares the same futility as the Cleveland Browns. That team being, and not very far away, just a couple of hours from uh, the greater Cleveland area, the Detroit Lions, and joining us from the NFL Network, producer, editor, and Detroit native, Gunnar Ludwig. Gunnar, thanks for being on with us. And as I said, uh, you and I share something in common. Two NFL teams that have never been to the Super Bowl. How ironic that is. But maybe more importantly, Gunnar, how disappointing and... Man, painful that is. Don't you agree? Uh, I do agree. It does take me a lot to actually feel disappointed as a Lions fan at this point in my life with all that I've been through. But um, it's it's pretty uh, I, I watch on Sundays. I wonder why I'm doing this to myself. Yeah, I think uh, we all uh, we all decide to torture ourselves uh, with the National Football League. We both have uh, two football teams. The one the, the one that I will share with you this you know, not being a Lions fan. And really, the Browns and the Lions don't really play much. Even even before the merger of the AFL and the NFL, <clears throat> the times that the Browns have played the Lions have been very few and in uh, few and far between. Um, uh, I do like the fact that on Thanksgiving Day, I get to watch the Detroit Lions. I mean, I would I would hope that that tradition continues for a very long time because it's something that I've grown up with. And I'm sure you as a Lions fan enjoy the fact that on Thanksgiving Day, you know that right after the Macy's parade, either you're going to play early or later, you're going to have the Detroit Lions as uh, as an NFL game. And I think that's just a cool tradition. It is cool. It's one day where everybody has to deal with the same misery I do my entire life. <laughs> you know, you know, Gunnar, uh, you know, before either one of us was alive or I was barely alive, uh, it was the Browns and the Detroit Lions in, in a bunch of NFL championship games before, of course, the advent of the Super Bowl. You know, the Browns and the Lions played in 1952, 1953, 1954. So obviously before I was born and then they played one more time again in the NFL championship game in 1957. I know you weren't born yet. And then one more time, they played in something called the playoff bowl game in 1960 that was kind of like a, a runner-up game that was played not even in Detroit or Cleveland. It was played in Miami. The, the, the reality of all of that is that the Cleveland Browns uh, enjoyed more futility than the Detroit Lions because the Browns lost to the Lions in 52 53 57, and they only beat the Lions in 1954. So, as a Detroit Lion fan, as a younger fan of the Lions, um, do you recount anything of, of that era? Does that mean anything to you? You know, not really, because I didn't really start looking back into history until I got a little older. You know, gr growing up as a sports fan, Barry Sanders was one of the main things that made me a sports fan. So we had that going for us. But, 
you, I look back into my youth and the lions and the tigers were terrible too. Uh, it, it was almost like I didn't even realize that it was a possibility that they could be good. You know, it was just, I'm going to watch football. The lions are going to be terrible. I'll hope that they can sneak in the playoffs and then I'll watch the good teams play after that. It, it, it didn't even strike me as a possibility until maybe later in my life that, you know, they could win games. They could make a good team, build something and try to get something to build on and get into the playoffs and, and win a few games, get to a Super Bowl. But that didn't even feel like an option to me. I, I wasn't even really hoping for it because I didn't think it was a possibility. Wow. Uh, you know, and, and, I think quite the opposite here in Cleveland. Um, myself and especially uh, a lot of diehard Browns fans, when they they reminisce about the Browns, they go back to the fifties. And and even though a lot of them, and and I will include myself, we weren't alive back then. Their comments are, well, it's it's. Rid- it's tradition handed down to me. It's what my my father or my grandfather uh, told me when I was a little boy or somehow all of that information and excitement and, you know, from years gone by, somehow it got down to me. And that's what Browns fans really dwell on a lot, even though I would I mean, I don't I don't want to give it a number, but I'll, I'll say 70 percent of the people that we talk to today <laughs> weren't even around back then. So you so are you saying that you don't get that same kind of history in Detroit as we do in Cleveland? I don't think so. You know, I mean it might get brought up but, but with the diehard fans, but but not really. I mean, it's just kind of a, a you know, constant disappointment. I mean, you when you're when your team in your case when you win one game in 2 years, you got to find so you got to dig back pretty far, find something to get excited about. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and unfortunately for Browns fans and Lions fans, um, there hasn't been a whole lot. Although y- you guys, the Lions of late, um, and even though you went through a winless season like the Cleveland Browns, and before we, we get into what has transpired since then, if you can recount to me what was what was it like going through an 0-16 season? We've just been through one, and I got to tell you, it it really couldn't be any worse in, in sports than going through a winless football season. What was it like for you, and what was, what was it like for Detroit fans during that year? I've tried pretty hard to forget, but... Um you know, I was in Chicago during that time. Um, I was home for a little bit of it, but I was living in Chicago. Um, but it, it, it's still, even through an 0-16 season with my stubborn dedication to a terrible team, um, I would find a way to watch the game every every Sunday. And and maybe there was a point in the season where I started to tail off when you're 0-10, 0-11, but I still want to watch the Lions. And you go through this thing where, you know, your team's losing. You know it's going to be a bad year anyways. Teams don't go 0-16 when you expect anything good that year. So, um, you know, you're, you're watching your team go through the motions. And as, your te- as the season starts to go awry or it did from the get go, but, um, you know, 0 and 10, 0 and 11, 0 and 12, you're rooting for them to get that draft pick, right? You're, you're at this <laughs> point, well, you might as well keep losing and get us a decent draft pick. Maybe we can get a quarterback or something. But, but when it comes to 0 and 16, you you kind of want that one win just to, you know, not make it that bad. So I, you're kind of conflicted or that's how I felt kind of conflicted between like, well, at this point, I just want them to lose and, and get the number one pick. But, but you don't want them to go 0 and 16, right? It's just, it's just, it just feels like you're getting punched in the face while watching every game. 
Well, I think 0-16 is embarrassing, and I, and I think you're right. Uh, and I had many uh, an argument with Browns fans this year who said, okay, you might as well go 0-16 because it would solidify the number one pick. And, well, I mean, if you look at the history of the Browns recently, uh, that really hasn't helped the organization with all the high draft picks no. uh, the Browns have had. You, you know that as well as I know. Um, I just thought 0-16 was such an embarrassment to a professional organization. And, and I would I would think that that would, be a, would have been the same case in Detroit, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, they they were doing the bags on the heads. And, and people don't always think of this in Detroit, um, it, but – Lions fans are pretty hardcore. I mean, with all the other teams that have had at least some success in Detroit, it's still a football town like many American cities are, but it's still a football town and there's still a team that not a team that people care about more than the Lions. So it's an embarrassment. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, we're used to that. I mean, there's so many serendipitous things about how awful the Lions and Browns have had, like the, the only two teams that have been around since the Super Bowl that have never been to a Super Bowl are also the only teams that have ever gone 0-16. Like, what are the <laughs> odds that you would achieve all those awful achievements? You know, what What are the odds? You'd think that the 0-16 might have just been, you know, the Cowboys on an off year or something like that. But it's just, it, those records are always going to go to the Lions and Browns. Like, it, you know, it, you, you, you can win a game in a, on accident in the NFL. It's, it's well, hard to go 0-16. Well, you, you watch this every week, Gunner, and, and, and so do I, especially you being, you know, uh, in the NFL network uh, and having to watch all these games and talk to all these people uh, every weekend, especially in this day and age with the number of games being played and the parity there there is, and especially at the beginning of seasons where the first couple of games, two, three games, uh, a lot of strange things happen because, you know, a lot of teams are just not ready to start the season, especially with the way training camps are conducted uh, in the here and now where uh, there's not a whole lot of tackling going on and there's not a lot of, uh, you know, because of, of the agreement with the NFL Players Association and the NFL. So, you know, it, there's a, a different uh, way of doing things. It's really, really really, really hard to not win a game. I mean, I, I, I just think that it's almost impossible that, you, you, that as you said, Gunnar, that you don't win a game by accident. You should be able to win a game by accident, don't you think? Yeah, you know, at some point you're going to face a backup quarterback who's going to throw three, four picks. You know, it, it's just it, – it's going to happen. You're going to trip into winning a game in the NFL. I mean, the 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 Eagles just are going to the Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. I mean, how much of a slap in the face is that to Lions and Browns fans? Like, right. it, those, those things just don't happen to us. And you watch years where, you know, the – the Ravens kind of stumble into a Super Bowl and and win one with Joe Flacco, and then we're all talking about how he's a lead. And, and no, he's not. And we if if they can win a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, why can't we get to one? <laughs> yeah, you know. And the other thing that's so ironic is when you trace back the history. You know, the Browns entered the NFL in the 1950s in in 1950, I should say, and won the championship right off the bat. You know, the Lions had been in the NFL, you know, way before that. But they have these two teams as dominant as they were in the in the you know early to mid to even late fifties, and then really not show up for fifty to sixty more years later. Even that amount of time, uh, Gunner, seems mind-boggling because 
that that encapsulates my entire life and almost yours. And and to see both of these franchises struggle, and even though they've had some decent, I mean, you hey, you had you have had some really really good players in that time, but not enough of them to do anything. No, and those good players we've had, we've pretty much broken their souls into early retirement with Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders. But right. um, yeah, exactly. I mean, I can look back and, you know, there's years where I get a little maybe uh, stubborn with with too much optimism. The team gets off to a good start. And no, oh, this might be a, a really good Lions team. The only Lions team um, in my lifetime, and I guess you could go back, there, there was a few teams in the 90s, but Scott Mitchell was their quarterback, so how far are you going to go with that? Right. But, um, the, 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 the one team that they had that I think could have done something if they would have executed better and, and uh, beaten the Cowboys in the playoffs, I think it was the 2011 team. Um, when they still had Calvin Johnson, they still had Ndamukong Sue. That was a really good team. And that was one of the, the only teams I can look back to and say that that team should have been able to, to make a run in the playoffs. Well, I always look at it, I think, as you do, when you have a guy like Barry Sanders, you know, Hall of Famer, Calvin Johnson, Hall of Famer, and you don't take advantage of having players like that on your roster. You know, there's been a lot of conversation here in Cleveland of late of of Joe Thomas, who will be in the Hall of Fame. He should be a a first ballot Hall of Famer five years after he retires. Yeah, he will be. Right. And and to think about it, that he will have played with a, a team that, you know, it will be historically inept in his entire career. And, you know, again, he's a, a left tackle. He's not a he's not a, 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 you know, a position player like a wide receiver, quarterback or running back. But to have a player of that greatness not being able to, to utilize him and not being able to at least come close is very, very sad. And, and like I said, I look at, you know, two guys that you have had in Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson and not taking advantage of that stardom is is uh, is really incredible when you think about it. Don't don't you think? It is. I mean, and they both set those their individual records, put their place in in football history. You know, Barry Sanders, anybody in Detroit would would say he's the best running back of all time. And Kelvin Johnson, I think, you know, behind Jerry Rice would have put himself in that discussion with anybody else um, had he played it a little bit longer Um, with with Joe Thomas. It's just such a, a. just depressing existence when your whole job is just to block for other guys to make plays and you're one of the best ever at it, but nobody behind you can make plays. It's, <laughs> it's, it, you know, you, it's just, it, it, it makes so much sense for the Browns to have the one great player they've had as one of maybe the best offensive lineman in the history of football. And he's blocking for nothing. Well, yeah, he's blocking for bad. It's like building a house that nobody can live in, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're talking about an elite tackle, Hall of Famer, blocking for maybe the worst quarterbacks in the history of the franchise. I mean, you sit back and you kind of look at all of this, you scratch your head and go, really? That's what's going on right now? That really kind of solidifies everything. We're talking with the Gunnar Ludwig, producer, editor of the NFL Network and Detroit native as we uh, kind of uh, uh, lament and reminisce uh, the the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns. I will give you this after the 0-16 season, Gunnar. At least Detroit didn't uh, have the cojones to have a parade after an (laughs) 0-16 season like the Browns uh, did. Uh, what did you make of that? I mean, I was just totally against it. Uh, it was a great, 
social uh, uh, battle here in Cleveland. There were those who were on my side. There were those who said, well, why not have a parade? Uh, I just thought it was really stupid to have a parade after an 0-16 season. As an outsider, I found it extremely entertaining, but I'm not too sure I would have liked it if it was my team doing it. Um, there was a, a weird part of me that there's so little to latch on to as a Lions or a Browns fan. I mean, all we really have is Barry Sanders. Um, there, there was a part of me that that didn't really want you guys to take that 0-16 from us. Like, that's something that we earned with our years and years of disappointment. We worked up to that or down to that 0-16, Mark. <laughs> Right. Um, the one thing before we get on, and then I want to take a quick look at uh, the upcoming Super Bowl, which uh, features the uh, the New England Patriots again and the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, uh, the one thing that we talk about here incessantly, almost to the point of unconsciousness, is quarterbacking and finding that quarterback, finding your quarterback. Um, is it disappointing to a Lions fan like yourself? Because everyone believes that you do have the quarterback. You have Matt Stafford, who um, I think is a very good quarterback. I don't know how elite he is, but I, I've, I've, you know, just watching Matthew Stafford from afar, I think he's a quarterback that can get you to the Super Bowl. How disappointing is it that that has not yet even happened, even remotely uh, to this point? It it is disappointing. Um, obviously, the 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 nineties, the Barry Sanders era. There was years where it felt like all we were missing was that quarterback. Um, and you know, n- now we do have a very good quarterback. He's he's not on that Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers tier, but I, I think you know a, a notch below the the top tier quarterbacks. He's he's in that next kind of group. Um, and and at times, Matt Stafford looks as good as anyone. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm critical of him at times, but, but at the same time, it does kind of frustrate me sometimes how he kind of takes the brunt of the criticism for not winning a playoff game. Um, I think that's more of a team achievement, you know? So I I think that Matt Stafford certainly has the ability to get there with the right pieces around him. You know, um, they've had some good teams. They've had some bad teams around him this year. I think they were pretty mediocre, but, but yeah, I I do think he's good enough to get there. He's just not the guy who's going to do it all on his own like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. So uh, how close are the Lions? The Browns are not close. Uh, I don't think we found our quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. And they're going to pick one in the draft. They may get one during free agency. Um, As I've said, this is a, a town divided uh, no matter who they pick, um, there will be a a great percentage of fans who won't like the pick. There will be a, a percentage of fans that will like the pick, depending on what they do in free agency. You know, we're going to have the same discussion and the same argument. Plus, uh, there are other areas on, on the roster that really, really, really need to be upgraded. Are the Lions close at all in your estimation, or do they have a ways to go? Uh, it can't be like the Browns, but do they have a ways to go? No, they have a long ways to go. They're not even close. They, they, you know, you again, you get through the season early on. They, they got off to a pretty good start. And I would look at it and it, with my stubborn optimism and say, oh, this, this could be a really good Lions team. But looking back, 
how many really good players are on that team? You've got Matt Stafford. You've got a couple pretty good receivers. Not great. You know, Golden Tate's a, a, a very good player. But um, beyond that, on defense, Darius Slay and Ziggy Ansah and Glover Quinn are the only really good players. And Glover Quinn's kind of getting, you know, a little bit uh, towards the edge of his prime. So there's just not that many great players on the team, you know, and that, that's what you've got to look at when you're trying to be practical as a fan. So th- they're a mediocre team and they have a mediocre roster. And I think if you were telling yourself anything else this year, then, you know, you were being a little bit of a delusional fan. Um, I, I, I think they're stuck in that eight and eight, nine and seven, just miss the playoffs or just barely make the playoffs and get smoked in the first round purgatory, which is pretty much the worst place to be as an NFL franchise. So now we are uh, uh, a few days away from uh, another Super Bowl, the, the New England Patriots for the eighth time uh, against the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, another Bill Belichick, another Tom Brady. What a combination they've been. But, you know, when you look at the Patriots, um, at times um, I think they've had dominating teams, and at times uh, Bill has worked his magic, of course, if you have the greatest quarterback of all time in uh, in Tom Brady, it does help. Um, are we getting tired of the Patriots being that team in the AFC, or are we enjoying the the dominance of, of a franchise that, uh, uh, to some degree, is unprecedented at this point? It might be a little bit of both. It, I'm getting a little bit tired of it. I'm not the guy that hates the Patriots and you know, constantly cheers for their demise, but it's kind of hard to get excited about it, especially, you know, their fans being the way that they are. It's, it's kind of, you know, I'm ready for this to end. <laughs> yeah. We need some, well, we need Tom Brady to retire. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know Gunner if that is in the offing um, because uh, you know, whatever, whatever he's taking, whatever he's eating whatever, um, exercise regiment he's using. It certainly is working for the guy. And uh, you can even have an injury before the uh, AFC championship game and tape up your hand and stitch your hand. And he still comes through in flying colors. It's really, it is really quite remarkable, isn't it? It's incredible. He's 40 years old. He's still the best player in the NFL. And it seems like he's getting better. I will say though, and I'm not rooting for his demise, but um, you know, you, I, I hear a lot of ideas that since he's still good and since he still wants to play into his mid to late forties, then he's guaranteed to be great for another four or five years. And that's not how it works. When, when quarterbacks start to lose their game, they hit a wall at a hundred miles an hour. They don't, they don't gradually decline one year, 10, you know, they're 90%. The next year they're 80%. You're not going to see it coming. It's just like Peyton Manning. He was great before his last year. And then he had a terrible year. They did win the Super Bowl, but they won it despite him, not because of him. Um, You know, Tony Romo had a great year before the year he was injured and, and uh, you know, ended up retiring. Uh, You know, you can go back to Steve Young, Troy Aikman, both those guys had excellent years until the year that they got injured and couldn't play anymore. So when, when it went, you know, we're going to see a year where all of a sudden either Tom Brady has an injury he can't come back for, from or his arm just isn't the same. He can't move his feet the same and he can't do what he's used to doing. And I think when that happens, I do think he'll retire because I don't think that he wants to come back for a season where he's going to struggle. But I think he's going to keep playing until the signs start to, to, to show him otherwise. All right, two last questions before we uh, let you go. And again, we're talking with Gunnar Ludwig of the NFL Network, producer and editor. Um, 
I, I give the Eagles a good chance. Their defense is um, amazing, although – uh, I mean, they have the Nick Foles has really performed above and beyond any kind of expectation. But as I've said this a million times before, it is really hard to bet against Tom Brady. He's not immortal, but it's pretty hard to bet against him. So I'm going to pick the Patriots to win this game. How about you? Um, yeah, I and I'm not as optimistic about the Eagles as you are. I think uh, I think this is going to get ugly early. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean Nick Foles. I think he's maxed out his his uh, his credit card, so to speak. And <laughs> I don't I don't think we're going to see another performance like like he did last week. I think he can play well, but um, but uh, you know he, we're not going to see three fifty and three touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, I know that the the Vikings were a great defense, but they did not play well. That 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 team checked out after that first pick six. Um, and I'm not trying to take credit away from the Eagles. They played great, but it's a big difference when you're at home and then you go to a neutral site on the Super Bowl against Brady and Belichick. I think this could be easily a, a 14 plus deficit at the end of the wow. game. Wow. Wow. All right. Uh, a year from now, if we're having this conversation, uh, I'll tell you up front, the Browns aren't going to be in the playoffs. So probably win a few games next year and everybody will be excited in Cleveland because they've won a few games. Are we going to talk about the Lions getting to the playoffs in 2018 or not? Yeah, maybe around the same place they are. I got to be honest. Um you know, on the Super Bowl, we're going to we're going to get a lot of um, cutaways to the future coach of the Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia. And um, I'm not very excited about that hire. I think it's kind of a lazy hire. I think it's trying to get the fans excited to, oh, he's going to bring the Patriots winning ways to Detroit. I mean, all Matt Patricia's ever done was get hired by Bill Belichick. So I, I, I don't think the idea that that you're right next to the guy means you're taking all his genius with you to Detroit. First of all, Tom Brady's not coming with him. Uh, second of all, um, you know, I think Matt Patricia's very good in that role, but he's, he doesn't know what it's like to go be a head coach for a team that struggles to win. Right. And I just wonder what's going to happen then. I, you know, sometimes when your team's looking to hire a coach, I'm, I, I'm more excited when, or when, when it's not an ex sexy and exciting hire, you know, when it feels like the team actually went and got a guy who they thought was the best for the job, even though it might not get the fans excited right away. This to me feels like kind of a, a fan sell job on it's an easy sell. You know, it's the tough guy with the beard who's Bill Belichick's right hand man. And as I said, he's going to bring those Patriots winning ways to Detroit. I, I hope he does. I don't really think he's the guy to do that. Yeah. Well, at least our guy went one in one in uh, 31 and didn't even lose his job. So uh. <laughs> there you go. He did a bang up job losing all those games. Now, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe the reason that they retained him was um, because of his draft brilliance passing on both Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Yeah. That that has to be it. Uh, and I lied. One quick question. Super Bowl Sunday. Go to food. What is your go to food on Super Bowl Sunday? Um. Oh, geez, that's a tough one. I'm, you know, I'll do it all. The, 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 the nachos, um, really good cheese dip. It, it depends on the size of the party, but um, anything, anything with cheese in it or deep fried. So, um, you know, no vegetables on the Super Bowl. You know, I don't, I don't take that California diet with me to the Super Bowl. It's, wow. it's all Midwest. Well, I, I do. I like a, a, mine is first. I start with a veggie platter. We will have a delicious veggie platter, and then something nacho oriented with some kind of queso or salsa, and then anything from there uh, is is gravy. So hopefully it'll be a 
Uh, a terrific Super Bowl game. Only time will tell. Be hard to match what happened last year between the Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons, Gunner. So we'll see what happens uh, in Super Bowl LII. All right, uh, Gunner Ludwig, uh, producer editor from the NFL Network. Greg Brenda here. And thanks for listening to another edition of the Dean's Dissertation. Subscribe to the Dean's Dissertation today.